Um, hey Tom, how you doing? I am good, Matt. I am currently lying on a tattoo's table about to get tattooed. Okay. Why? Uh, it's kind of a very special occasion. We're uh, here with some visiting artists from Jerusalem. We're in Essex, though. Yeah, aka hell. <laughs> How dare you? Hell is probably better than Essex, I will say that much. It's wet. I mean, Malden. Where the sea salt comes from. Yeah, where the sea salt comes from. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this, um, you're very welcome to Beneath the Skin, the show about the history of everything told through the history of tattooing. This is the a first time for everything. Oh, I can start if you want. Live episode. <laughs> um, a first time for everything. Uh, I'm going to be getting tattooed while we're interviewing someone. <laughs> Gonzo uh, podcasting. Uh, I am the Hunter S. Thompson of Tattoo Based Podcasting. So um, I am Thomas Manny and I'm joined as always by my esteemed co-host, Dr. Matt Lauder. Hello. Um, it's really uh, good to be here. I, I, maybe we should just ask our guests to introduce themselves. Like... T- tell us who you are. Hello. So first of all, my name is Anton, Anton Razouk. I am the 28th generation of the Razouk family. My family has been tattooing for 700 years. That's pretty good going. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we're in Essex now. And what, because you, your brother's about to start tattooing, maybe you can introduce him as well. Yes. So that's my brother. My brother's name is Nizar. We are also, he's also the uh, 28th generation of this family. We're both basically on a small tour in uh, UK so far, and uh, yeah, he's currently tattooing. <laughs> are you are you the older and wiser brother? Older, yes. Wiser, not really <laughs> sure about that. Yeah. So we did an episode on the podcast before about the general history of pilgrimage tattooing. Your your family name has been mentioned in passing, but. I guess, you know, I just love to talk to you, but you both about, well, first, like, what are you doing here? Like, what brings you to Essex for the, to start with? What brings anyone to Essex? What brings anyone to Essex? (laughs) What is, what is a 28th generation tattooer doing in, doing in England? We had the opportunity to go and tattoo in Glasgow before this. And so in, in Malden, actually, we have an ambassador, Mark, skin sorcerer here, this tattoo parlor is is our ambassador. And so we thought that we would come by, also see the area, see how, you know, the, the Essex people deal with our <laughs> tattoos and all that. And we, we thought it would be a great idea to come and visit and say hi. Amazing. Yeah, Mark was just telling, telling us um, that he came, he sort of went on a pilgrimage of sorts to Jerusalem and met your dad and I guess met you guys. And then on a second trip over, even briefly looked after the studio for a while. So there's clearly a kind of close relationship that you've got. Yeah. Absolutely yes, yes. We've worked with Mike uh, with uh, with Mark before. I haven't personally because yeah. I wasn't really working at the shop back then. I was at school, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've worked with him before. So, so were you speaking? So were you kind of like b- b- bred in a vat to be a tattooer? Like, was that always the thing that you both were going to be doing? Did your your dad raise you to take over the business? I mean, there must be a lot of pressure. Twenty eight, twenty eighth generation. I I really wouldn't call it a pressure. I'll tell you why. Because even my dad himself, he didn't want to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, 10, 20, 20 years ago, he yeah. didn't want to really do this. He was doing something else. And then once he got into it, he understood the the the, the you know the, the blessing it, you know it is and the responsibility to continue this ongoing tradition. Yeah. And then he passed it down to us. I didn't want to do it. Nizar <laughs> probably wanted to do it. He's always been into tattooing yeah. in general. But uh, look, man, when you hold a needle and when you start tattooing people and 100%. listening to their stories, their backgrounds, and all of this, and you are giving them their certificate of pilgrimage, that all by itself just pulls you to it's it. It's probably like being a 
cop or a bouncer and that people who want to do it probably shouldn't be allowed to right like if you, <laughs> if, you, if, you if you if you don't want to do it but you still do it, i think there's a kind of purity and honesty to that and doing it for the right reasons um so yeah so um when did you when did you guys start tattooing i started tattooing about five years ago mm -hmm. nazar has been tattooing for eight nine years amazing now. Yeah. amazing and and taught by your dad Taught by my dad, yes. Yeah, and and what's what what was that like? Like learning to tattoo in that. I mean, because it's a very, as you said, kind of this is people coming on pilgrimage. Maybe for a lot of people, it might be their first tattoo. Like it's a very interesting and most of our very specific are first -timers. place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How was it being taught by my dad? It would be the best experience, man, because he's not a stranger. He's not somebody. Yeah. So any kind of. Um, uh, you know, any kind of comment that comes from him, you know it's not coming from hate, it's coming from yeah. love because he's yeah. your father and he's trying to make you into what he wants you to be. Yeah. Right? So I think because I know that he wants what's best for us, that yeah. would be the best kind of teacher that you would ask for. Yeah. And and and, and in the shop, as you said, like uh, most of your customers, it will be their first tattoo, maybe their only tattoo, right? So what, what kind of people have you got coming through? So most of them are really elderly people. I'd really say 50 interesting. Years and, and above that, and it's their first time to the Holy Land, their first tattoo. They really would say to their sons and grandsons, "No tattoos, no tattoos." <laughs> and they would come to us, and they're like, "You know what? Maybe just once." It's, a, it's an, it's <laughs> yeah. an exception made Absolutely. for. Because I suppose when you talk about like pilgrimage tattooing, like traditionally, especially for your family, like. And we talked about it on a previous episode, like most people would have traditionally only made the pilgrimage once in their entire life. So obviously they're going to try and bring a little heirloom home. But like, I, I was going to ask, like, how has that kind of changed your family's relation to it now that like, it's not necessarily a once in a lifetime trip that people can make, that they can come back and, and get multiple tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll tell you what, when they come to us, they don't get it because the design looks good. They don't get it because they've been craving a tattoo. They get it to certify their pilgrimage, to go back home and to show all the other, you know, friends and family that they have been to the Holy Land and this is my proof that I have been there. And that's and that's what's so beautiful about it. And that was always what the function that tattoo served, right? Like I, I sort of when I talk about this stuff when I'm giving talks I occasionally joke it's like you know getting a tattoo on your bum if you go to Spain but of course it's <laughs> it's not quite the same as that really or it, it is that but it's also something much more which is exactly as you said this authorization of the pilgrimage experience and um, I've been doing a lot of reading recently about where the tattoo stories start appearing in pilgrim narratives and it's really interesting that some of the pilgrim narratives that were published in the late so 1500s didn't have tattoo stories. And then the second or third editions that come a bit later on, those tattoo stories are getting written in because it becomes such an important part of, of the narrative of pilgrimage in general. And it's, it's, so, it's so profound to me to, to, to think that you guys are still there doing that for people in exactly the same way that it's been happening for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? Um, I mean, do, do, you, do people still take it very seriously? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think that they take it even more seriously now because, as you said, when they come to the Holy Land, they really don't think that they'll ever be back here yeah. ever again. So it's now or never. And then I think so, yes. Yeah. And I, uh, do, do you think um, that uh, like people are surprised? I mean, presumably you, you, you might have customers who didn't even know that you were there who were on their pilgrimages... And then they, they, they realize that this is an opportunity and, and it's almost like 
something that they, they hadn't even thought they needed, and then right at that moment they had they have to do it, right? We call those walk-ins, yes. Walk-ins, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they just pass by the shop. They see the name. They see the since 1300s. They maybe they may Google it even, and then they yeah. come in because our tattoo shop is not your typical tattoo parlor. It's more of a museum as well. Yeah. So you go in, you see the history, you see the stamps, you see all the stuff, the the, the articles, the books, the archives, the documents, and then they understand yeah. what this whole thing's about. Yeah. So yeah. that gives them uh, the motive to actually do the tattoo. And again, that's been that's been part of those pilgrim stories for hundreds of years. I mean, I know. There are amazing stories from like the 19th century of pilgrims who come to Jerusalem and, you know, I'm sure it's the same today to some degree, but certainly back in the 19th century when travellers were first going from a, you know, particular kind of social class from Britain. And they were, they'd obviously heard about Jerusalem and read about it and heard about it in sermons their whole lives. And they went and a lot of them were kind of surprised about how busy and how dirty and how commercialised it was even back then. But the, but the tattoo became a part of, of resisting that kind of you know, sense it became. It turned this place back into a magical, important place of pilgrimage for people, right? Rather than this kind of um, the, the the reality of the modern day city. And I think, again, I get the impression that that's sort of where, as you said, you've got this walk-in shop that is at once tattoo shop and museum, contemporary and old. It sort of exists in this really timeless way that I find really fascinating. Yeah, and like I think one thing that I really wanted to ask about is it's quite different in what we think of like with tattoos in terms of like most people think of stencils or acetates and the fact that your family is using you know woodblock prints essentially and that you have like original woodblocks from hundreds of years ago can you tell me a little bit about that so those woodblocks we call them stamps and those stamps were passed on from one generation to the next in my family for the past 700 years my ancestors hand carved these designs on olive wood and they passed them down the generational line. Now, the reason they used to do these is because back in the day, obviously, they didn't have printers, Wi-Fi, <laughs> whatever, all of that. So, yeah, so this was their way. Of, this is actually the original stencil. This is what a stencil original is. Original flash, yeah, Exactly. Almost. So they would, you know, hand carve it. And they would have it. So whenever anybody wants that design, they can just print it on them, really, and not just draw it all over again. Yeah. And this way, it's always the same you know, base model for every design. You have the design. This is your design. Would you like it? We will do it. That's what it is. And then, you know, it's just passed down the generational line. And then we, today we still use those actual blocks. And it's, I think it's extra in interesting as well. Like when we find like wood artifacts, particularly ones that are a couple of hundred years old, uh, there's an interesting thing that the fact they're using as stamps for putting ink on the skin that in some way, maybe the ink has actually preserved the stamp rather than the other way around because... <laughs> Wood tends to, you know, dry out and crack quite a lot, whereas the fact that you're using them all the time has probably preserved them for those hundreds yes. of years. Yes, so what we do, first of all, they're made from olive wood. Olive wood really preserves itself really well. And what we do is we take the stamps, we dip them in ink upside yeah. down, all sides of it. We just dip it in ink, take it out, and that way the ink really preserves Amazing. the wood from just, you know, fading. And they're very black, look beautiful That's why they're looking black, things. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, are you still carving or having to carve new blocks? So we've made new designs. We haven't made them into stamps yet because we're still altering the design itself. Our most recent actual stamp is a 100-year-old stamp from 1912. Now, we've made a couple more as designs again, so we're still looking into making them into physical stamps yeah that's good that's, that's that's part of the you know the evolution of the design history as yeah. well right i mean i think pretty much everything that anybody knows about this tattoo tradition this coptic tradition 
comes from your family and the the the, the sharing of knowledge that your family did uh, throughout the the practice. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about where your family originally come from, where these designs come from before they were such a kind of important part of Jerusalem? Right. So first of all, my family is a Coptic family. Coptic is basically a denomination of Christianity, originally from Egypt. So my family basically started tattooing in Egypt, and then we stayed there for two hundred years. We do have a lot of Coptic designs, such as the Lovin family design, the mermaid design. They're not necessarily religious. They're more Coptic designs that represent a specific meaning, right? The Lovin family represents the Lovin family, obviously. The mermaid has its own uh, story, not really connected to religion. And then when my family moved to the Holy Land, the designs turned into more religious designs, such as the Jerusalem cross, such as the crucifixion, the resurrection, nativity, baptism, all of those events from the Bible. So you can see how they changed from traditional cultural to religious uh tattoos yeah um, and, and do, you, do you think that relationship with that change was that more so the demand of kind of moving to jerusalem absolutely. that's what people wanted absolutely yes when my family came to jerusalem they saw that pilgrims come here they ask for religious uh i don't know stuff, items, yeah, yeah. stuff that they can take back home and not necessarily cultural but more religious that's the thing so that's why it turned into those designs I think any uh, tattoo artist listening can relate to your family 700 years ago having to deal with walk-ins. I was like, yeah. no, I want this. Can you do it? Yes or no? You got to say yes. You, you have to say yes, of course. And, and uh, presumably the busiest times for you now were still the busiest times for your, your ancestors who were really busy around Easter time and particularly Easter is usually moments a busy time, of high, yes. high pilgrimage, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, what what's the reality, I guess, of running a, a tattoo shop um, in Jerusalem in the 21st century compared to like that much more kind of periodic? Because I think, am I right in saying that your your certainly your grandfather was he was tattooing at busy periods and then doing other things a lot of the time as well, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. My grandfather, my great grandfather. So my grandfather was working. When I, what I do remember is he used to work in a money change shop and then he had a small station by the in the corner. He would tattoo pilgrims, Ethiopian pilgrims, African pilgrims, sometimes European and Americans, not always, because it wasn't your most sterile station. It wasn't your most professional <laughs> yeah. shop. It was just a money change shop, really. And uh, tattoos was kind of you know, a side business, but then again, it wasn't gone. It was still there in the family. Yeah, yeah. And it's it was the, I mean, it's a sort of side business to end all side businesses, right? Because it, <laughs> you, you end up kind of being the go-to person. And I think, I mean, there are there are um, designs similar to the, the ones that you guys use on like, um, like Sudanese mummies, like back to the eighth century. Like this is even, even earlier than, than your family are working in this tradition. Like Christian tattooing is very, very old. And I, I always, people are often surprised by that because they think, they, they don't think religion and tattooing goes together very much. Um, do you, I mean, again, you must have people coming in and saying, I don't, I don't know. Like, I didn't know this was a part of Christian tradition. We do have those. We do have a lot of them. But then again, we have a lot, like we've tattooed a lot of priests and a lot yeah, of, of religious people, either yeah. Coptic, Catholic, or any kind yeah. of denomination of Christianity. We've tattooed a lot. There is, there's a good story, I'm sure you know it, from um, back in the 17th century of that Scottish pilgrim, William Lithgow, who got his Jerusalem cross, but he asked the tattooer to add on 
um, the crown of King James. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah. And then later on, he was captured by the Spanish Inquisition spying in Spain. And they, they were so offended by the, um, the, 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 the Jerusalem cross being next to this symbol of, you know, Protestantism that they put him on the rack and they cut the tattoo out of his arm. <laughs> Um, because yeah, those 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 really sort of internecine squabbles, if that's not a too mild a way of putting it, that happen in Jerusalem. I think like the fact that tattooing has always been at the center of that, I find also really fascinating. Do you, have you tattooed any? Um, do you have tattooed any Muslim pilgrims? Uh, we did. Yeah, we did not a lot, but we yeah. we've done a few tattoos on a lot of Muslims, Jews as Jews, well. Like, of course, yeah. So yes. yeah, and and Jewish people. Because again, I think that's something that people find surprising. But of course, again, a very if you look at the history of, of this stuff, a very obvious thing that people are getting tattooed on them, the images that are meaningful to them, right? Yeah. Do you have to negotiate those conversations differently? Or are they picking different designs? Um, well, it really depends. Sometimes they have their own custom designs, a word, a date, yeah. maybe, you never know. Yeah. But we've, we've had Jews who requested to get a Jerusalem cross yeah. tattooed on them. Yeah, just because the design is that old and it just means so much, not necessarily a religious meaning to them, but more of a history meaning yeah. to them. I was, um, so I just showed you my book. There's an there's a image in there that I reproduce of that um, 17th century pilgrim uh, with a Jerusalem cross on his arm. And I, I, was, I happened to be on my honeymoon in Puerto Rico. And uh, the guy like serving us like burritos in this restaurant in Puerto Rico, this like 20 year old kid on his arm, Jerusalem cross, the sort of classic you know, design. And I think that that just speaks to that power of that, of that image, right? You just see it everywhere. Was that uh, design done by us? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he just sort of seen it on the internet, maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also... Because we've had those yeah. um, incidents where we've met people in random places, in places that you'd never think of, and they would be like, Razook, I know you. You've yeah. done my tattoo, I don't know how many Incredible. years ago. We've had a lot of those incidents happen to us, yeah. 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 So I wouldn't be surprised in Puerto, in Puerto in Rico. Yeah. In the middle, yeah, literally in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah, if you can hear in the background, the tattooing is now stopped. So, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, what's, what's, how have, so you, you got into all this a little bit earlier. You were the kind of, you were keen. Yes. Um, I always wanted to, to be in the business um, since I was 10, 10 years old. Did I your always, dad let you go and watch him tattooing when you were yes, young? Yes, yeah. I was always around my father watching him tattooing people and um, I always was the curious one and yeah. just want to know how it's done because I like those things. And uh, and yeah, so a few years, two, three years passed just watching him tattooing and he's like, why don't you start tattooing? I told him, well, I'm 13 years old. <laughs> I'm too young to start tattooing. Why not? He's like, why not? Exactly. He's like, why not? I mean... What does it? What does that matter? Age is just a number. So I told him, okay. I mean, I, I have no problem to start. So he gave me a machine and a needle, and he told me, um, let's pick one of the blocks and okay. tattoo it on me. So, oh, your first one was on yes. him. Oh, wow. So, uh, so we we took one of the the stamps and we stamped it on him on his leg, and the eyes. That was my first tattoo I ever do, and uh, it turned out pretty good actually. <laughs> Not the best tattoo, but it's good enough. And that was the start of the, of the, yeah. And actually, a question I kind of want to ask as well, because obviously you just tattooed me with the machine. You mentioned machines. Um, I assume was your grandfather doing hand poke, or was he using machine eventually? Uh, okay. So my grandfather, he did use an electric machine. Mm -hmm. Uh, he used to do some uh, stick and poke tattoos. His grand, my great grandfather used to. To do stick and poke tattoos mm. much more um 
but uh, but mostly actually electric tattoo machines and that was a new thing back in the day and they used to, to put signs outside the shop and saying electric tattoo machine yeah, yeah. that was an important thing selling point yes yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly it, 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 some things never change no matter where you are in the world because back then it was electric tattooing outside shops even here yeah. yes that was an important thing because back in the days i mean if people see electric tattoo machines they would want to get a tattoo because yeah. they know it's the newer way and it's the faster way of getting the tattoos and kind of on that uh idea of technology as well obviously your family is such an old business and having to adapt to like the internet being around not just only having to you know have social media and a presence online but also like you mentioned seeing that cross in puerto rico is like people taking your designs and tattooing them and yours is different obviously because there's a level of authentication but like how is the business's relationship to that now I think that's such an interesting question. Well, I mean, since we, like, from the beginning when we started, we really started doing those designs. Um, and it was always, so they they used to do, they used to see those designs on a couple of places in Jerusalem, in Egypt, and they used to take those designs and collect those pictures and then do them. And that's why it's connected to the business is because that's the core of how it really started. It really started from those type of things and yeah. those symbols. Do you feel quite protective over them? I think I probably would if I was in your shoes. Uh, yes, of yeah. course. Of course, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, uh, as I said a second ago, I think like so much of all of the, you know, there's an amazing collection, a print book of the, your family stamp collection back in the 50s, which is really sort of anything anybody knows about these histories. And um, I, I think there's something really Again, reading, having read interviews and, and and things with your dad, it's just there's something really a sense that you guys importantly understand, like that you're custodians of this story that otherwise becomes a bit. I mean, meaningless is too strong, right? But it's very easy to see a photograph off the internet and copy something now. Yeah. And I think there's something really interesting and important about this lineage, about this authenticity, about this travel, even about you guys coming here. You know, it feels like it feels like quite a kind of important thing. And I, I wonder if. Yeah, how you guys feel about that? About being protective over them, we are protective over the uh, the stamps themselves. Yeah. Now, the designs, look, with the age of social media, yeah. you can always just rip <laughs> off anything, yeah, anytime, that's, that's true. anywhere. Yeah. It's yeah. Just super easy to do so. But then again, if you do that, it's not really offending us. It's no. just you are taking away from the significance of it from your own self. Right, that's right. Right, so that's between you and yourself. We do offer them as designs to sell on our website. So we send you the design, we send you your measurements, and we send you a certificate of authenticity from us to do it wherever you want. This is one option. The other option would be an ambassador of ours, which is the closest thing to us because they're basically you know authorized by us to do those. And your third option would be us in yeah. Jerusalem. If you're ever in Jerusalem, <laughs> that would be your best place to do it, right? Yeah. So I think if you want to stick to tradition, because our designs are more traditional anyway. Yeah. So if you want to stick to tradition, get the whole package. The more authentic you get it, the more meaningful it is yeah. for you. And yeah. I, I, obviously, it's a family business as well. Is is there any sibling rivalry between the two oh, of you? Oh, Who, now we <laughs> not at all. No, we are we're one basically. Yeah, it's yeah, me yeah. You're so chill. And my father, we work as one. So any one of us. You know, it just at the end of the day, it's the same guy. Yeah. There's no rivalry. There's no, 
you know, conflict on who to do the tattoo first, who does it better. I'll yeah, tell you who does it better matter. than I do. I this is, this yeah, is a very fine. diplomatic answer. It's not like I have with my brother. So, I I did find um, really bizarrely the other day, uh, seventeen like mid seventeen hundreds in London, there was someone claiming to do the Jerusalem stamp. Like, so there were people ripping your family off like two hundred years, three hundred years ago. <laughs> like, it happened a couple of times here and there, you know. <clears throat> and I suppose like a good point to end it on is like as you know you two are now like part of the family business as well and soon probably you two will be the ones in charge of what does the kind of future hold for you know your family um so to be honest with you how i see it is that i'm going to 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 hold on this business of course my brother with me um and one of us eventually is gonna have a kid and he's going to take over and for me i think that this is how it's going to be uh because it's an honor to be born with such a family having that history and doing tattoos for such a long time and i think that should keep going as long well, as it i'll tell can. you what if anything it just makes it much easier because my father was the only one during his generation doing it this generation has me and my brother and we have a little sister she's nine still but you know so we can see another two years until ah, she's tattooing. <laughs> well, enough, I guess so. Enough, but at the end of the day, it's just you've got more than one person holding this and not just yeah. one person, right? So yeah. the weight distributes over yes. more than one person. And that makes it easier. And that makes it even, um, I think, more uh, global in a way because we can be doing this all around the world while not leaving Jerusalem at all. So. Yeah. There was a there was a family of um, hotel owners in Japan, and they owned the longest. I think it was the longest ever business that's been in the family anywhere in the world, as far as oh, I yeah. could tell. It was like a thousand years old or something. Um, and then like the then the 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 last generation had a kid. And he was like, I don't want to run, run a fucking hotel. <laughs> and they stopped, and they just took one person to like stop doing it to like yeah. break that chain. And like yes. you don't blame someone for that in the modern era. When but but to to hear you guys talk about that in that way, I think that's such a really beautiful way of putting it. Um, because I think you know as I, I said one of the things I talk about a lot is how this big kind of sense that tattooing was discovered in the Pacific and of course like before Captain Cook set foot in Tahiti like your family had been tattooing for several hundred years right and that story like the story that that, that of your family and of the tattooing in Jerusalem and of pilgrim tattooing more generally is like a really interesting important collective story of tattoo history that you know, is is foundational to everything that happened afterwards, and I think it's so important that it's still happening because that's it's, it says something important about the practice. Um, yeah, and I I I I I um I hope I can come out to Jerusalem one day because I'd, I'd love to absolutely. Love to, We'd love, love to, come to have out. you guys in Jerusalem. Yeah, I'd love to go. Yeah. It's go. a little warmer over there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pissing it down with rain and three degrees here once, in Essex. Once again, we are in hell. Essex, <laughs> um, How dare you. guys! Thanks very much for uh, coming welcome. on the show. Thank you so much. Where can people find you online? Where can people find you in Jerusalem if they're there? Well, we do have a website. We do have Instagram, all kinds of social media. Obviously, it's under Razuk Tattoo name. And in Jerusalem, just search Razuk Tattoo. You'll find us in the old city. Uh,